Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Straight out of Austin, Texas, it's On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com, with your hosts, statesman sports columnists, Cedric Golden and Kirk Bowles. Often imitated, never duplicated. Hear it here first, On Second Thought. On Second Thought, episode 210, brought to you by Bud Light at hook'em.com. Cedric Golden here with my boy, the duck, Kirk Bowles, and we got a jam-packed podcast today, duck. We're fresh out of the winter storm. We've got Vic Schaefer coming up, the Texas women's coach. We're going to talk a little bit of Tiger Woods and, and what happened during the week of the great Texas blizzard, but first, the fighting Shaka Smarts, 75, the Kansas Jayhawks, 72. In overtime, the Texas Longhorns take out KU in what was, to me, the biggest win of Shaka Smarts' Texas tenure. What say you? Well, now, why are you dissing on the NIT championship? They got a banner. At Those the- are huge. I know he's a national champion. I know he's a national champion, Duck. I know that. I know he's I a national champion, and I'm not trying to denigrate him winning a national championship. <laughs> but I, I mean, little old me, I, I, know I'm, I know I'm old school. I think two wins over the – two regular season wins over the Kansas Jayhawks ranks – over that that historical monumental national invitational tournament championship win. That's just, just me. I just seem to sense a little bit of cynicism. Not very much, just a little bit of cynicism. But no, you're right. It's a monumental milestone for Shaka to sweep Kansas. Like the only the second team to have done that since 04. And the first Texas team to ever do that. It's funny, said you and I both, you know, watched the game Tuesday night and wrote about it. Uh, and then I was watching a, like a 10 minute post game with Bill Self, and he hardly even mentions Texas. You know, he's, oh, we did this. Oh, Dave McCormick fouled out. And, you know, we had to play small without him on the bench and foul trouble. And, you know, we did have the lead in overtime. And, uh, uh, we were able to force it uh, to go to overtime, but he but he never mentioned Texas. Never mentioned he lost twice to him, and he just he, to me he came out very smug, not very humble. It's and, not about it's not about Texas. And here's the one thing about Bill Self. Yeah, Bill Self is effusive in his praise of an opponent after he beats him. After he beats them. He, they beat Texas here a couple of years ago, and it's almost like, man, Texas yeah. is going to be a Final Four team in a year or so, the way he was talking. Yeah. But when you beat Bill Self twice, 
And this is not a typical Bill Self Kansas team. No, no, not even close. Uh, they've done great just to get this thing back on the tracks because they yeah. were headed to nowhere, nowhere fast. And then they caught fire. So uh, just speaks to how great a coach he is. But it doesn't surprise me that Texas wasn't mentioned as much because he doesn't want he doesn't want to to spend too much time on getting swept by Shaka Smart. He, he didn't spend any time, <laughs> not not just not much time. He spent no time giving Shaka credit, and that's why Shaka deserves credit. And let's be real, okay? This is not a vintage Kansas team. No, but to me, this is a very good Texas team. Yes, it's not, it's not a great Texas team, but it's very good. Very easily good. his best. Easily, easily his best team. His, his sixth year, easily his best. And the thing I love about this team is that they can beat you in different ways. Now, we, you and I both know the guards are the heart and soul. They run this team, and you got to have guards to win in college basketball, especially in March. We know all that. But you look at the big guy, Jericho Sims, his defense and rebounding, you know, his his defense on Culver against West Virginia on McCormick uh, Tuesday night. Uh, Kai Jones is is just a freak, you know, just waiting to explode. Did you see him after he hit the deck and he did oh, the jump up, the gymnastic oh, jump up God. at six no eleven? Just jump up. It was like I, it was such a YouTube moment. I can't believe that hadn't gone viral already. He, it may, he probably made himself another $2 million by doing that. <laughs> Some scout goes, did you see that? Did uh, you see what he could do? I mean, I know you can do that, but it's very rare for most <laughs> human beings to be able to get off the floor like that, where he just kind of bent himself and contorted himself and just leaped up. I mean, what a high jumper he must have been. I know he's a long jumper, high jumper, and didn't even – played junior high basketball, but I mean, the guy's a freak. Greg Brown, two big threes coming out of halftime. And didn't play a whole lot down the stretch. And I'm going to tell you, right? just a genius move by Shaka. The kid found his stroke. Boy, and he's been missing a lot lately. Yes. He found his stroke and, and gave them that energy coming out of the locker room. But down the stretch, Shaka said, I'm going with my OGs. I'm going with Andrew Jones. I'm going with Courtney Ramey. I'm going. I'm going with um, Matt Coleman, Jericho Sims, and I'm gonna put the lengthy, long Kai Jones with a mix with a little touch of Brock Cunningham, who was amazing. Um, yeah. One of the best scoreless performances in the history of this program. <laughs> I mean, yes, maybe amazing he, performance I mean, I by Brock. Rebounds in his sleep. He. He knows positions. He's got that scrappiness. It's like a Dennis Rodman, like laser like focus on how to get that rebound. He knows his role. He and, knows his role. But when during they had that, they had a little dip though there in the second half. I forget at what point where, you know, Kai Jones did something bad. Brock it took a three, and Brock Cunningham took two threes. They left him open. It's of course the only, they did. Of course open they did. For a reason, you're open yeah. for a reason. And then I thought, oh, boy, these are bad shot selections. But but you're right. They got something from everybody. And uh, and that's what I really like about this team. And they believe in themselves. They But they needed that. I know when you talked uh, – when you asked Shaka in the post game, does this kind of – did you need this for reinforcement? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and 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 when and when you talk about um, needing needing this win, I, I, I love what you asked him um, right after the game because it, it was a real a real important question leading into where they're going right now. Take a take a listen to what Duck said here. Shaka, with some of the the really tough home losses that y'all have had uh, the last couple of weeks. Was this game important to kind of refine yourself and rebrand yourself? And is this kind of some a game you can call on once the NCAA tournament and Big Twelve tournament start? Yeah, I, I think absolutely, Kirk. It was it was very important for that. It's one of those games that I'm surprised I didn't get this question the other day at the uh, at our media available. But it's one of those games. Sometimes you guys ask, is this a must win? Um, and of course, before the game, you can't necessarily admit that because you don't want to put that pressure on your players, but um, and you don't want them playing with avoidance, but I did feel we kind of felt that a little bit over these last couple of days. Like we got to get this one because that last one got away from us. And, um, you know, we're going on the road after this and it's our senior uh, night and we're never going to forget senior night. And so obviously the game could have gone either way down the stretch. Um, but I, I, again, I really give our guys a ton of credit for hanging in there. Cause we had a lot of balls that went in and out some stuff that didn't go our way on offense, but we, we kept defending. So he knows, he knows that he needed the game and yeah. to admit that it was a must win. I mean, come on. When's the last time a coach ever did that, but they always say it after they win. They'll never say it. They'll never say it after a loss. Well, that was a must win. We're done now. We, we can, we can shut it down. He was very candid, very honest. Uh, it, it really was. And uh, you and I like Shaka. You know, we've tried to get him. Always have. And uh, he's a good guy. He's a guy you'd want to have a beer with and just watch a, an NCAA tournament basketball game. He's a good guy. He cares about his team. And, uh, you know, and, he, and he's fiery. You know, you remember after the first few years, we're saying get more involved. And, you know, he get down there in the crouch on the sidelines sometime, beat on the floor. And, boy, this year he's really gotten fair. Chasing getting after the refs. Getting after the refs. Some really bad calls. Yeah. The, uh, Jericho's fouled at the end of the West Virginia game, and they don't call it. The Big oh. 12 officials haven't been good this year, Doug. It was, it was terrible Tuesday night. Really it? terrible. Some some bad tra- – the Kai Jones traveling call uh, was horrible. Yeah. He, 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 ball fall, foul. Yeah, yeah. Yes. But Matt Coleman thought he had an and one, and you heard, you literally heard him yell it, and one, and they call him for traveling. What and I'm that? like, where are these calls coming from? And that was bad. That was bad. And was I don't really think bad. the refs were biased. I just think they're bad. They were bad. Yeah, I thought they just had a bad night. And uh, I just think, uh, you know, this is this was a really big game for them because, uh, you know, it, it reinforced to them that, yeah, we really are that that team that got to what number four in the nation, we were still and still are that team that could flirt with being a number two seed. They won't very be dangerous, very dangerous they, group. If, if they could close strong, they could get to be, you know, a three or four seed before it's all over. And I know you uh, asked Shaka about uh, what's what they have facing them the rest of this regular season. Shaka, there just aren't, aren't any nights off in the big 12 uh, K state beat Oklahoma tonight. And, Iowa State nearly beat Baylor. Um, how much confidence did you have to get from this game, knowing the gauntlet that you guys are facing starting with Tech on Saturday? 
Well, you know, Cedric, I think definitely, definitely you can take some confidence. We can take some confidence from this game, but I think even more so it's a feeling of all the commitment and work and uh, buy-in that goes into even having a chance to win a game like this is worth it, you know, because if you don't win the game, uh, and again, if you don't have, you know, years and years of maturity, then there can be a little bit of a tendency of, man, you know, we just lost a close one against West Virginia. So you, you need to win to reinforce, yeah, this is why we do this. You know, we're going to, we're going to pay the price either way. We're going to pay it on the front end with work and discipline and togetherness and buy into one common goal. Or we're going to pay on the back end with regret. One way or the other, we're going to pay. And uh, I think winning the game helps you understand as a young person that, man, it's a lot better to, to pay on the front end and, and feel good on the back end. And, you know, Doug, with that gauntlet they've got coming up at Texas Tech, Oklahoma, Iowa State, TCU, all on the road. Oh. My thought is if they can figure out a way to split those two, those four games, yeah. if they can win two of those four and they will be prohibitive favorites even on the road against T- scrappy TCU and a bad Iowa State team, which almost beat Baylor. Yep. So – Iowa State's not a pushover, even at what two and seventeen. Oh my God, what a bad year that is! Um, But if they can figure out a way to win two two of those four games, and that will put them at what in conference? They are eight and five now, so ten and seven. Ten and seven. Uh huh. So it's not bad. It's not bad. Kansas has what six losses in the Uh league. So Mm -hmm. it's funny because when I asked Mac Coleman. Tuesday night. Does this have a feel of an NCAA tournament game? And he said, no, it was like a Big 12 game. <laughs> he said, that's respect, man. Every week, every game there is like that. I mean, that's – and that's the other thing that's really going to keep them in good stead going into March is that there are no nights off in the Big 12. you got to take everybody seriously. You just mentioned Iowa State nearly knocking off Baylor, undefeated Baylor. So – yeah, I think I think this competition, and uh, they're not going to. They may not see this type of competition in the NCAA tournament the first couple games, and I don't think there are many. Slow down the first. Let's just say the first game. Got to got to get through that first one before we start talking about the second one. I you know because it's not like they've been uh, just a mainstay in the NCAA's. <laughs> let's get to the let's get through that first game and see what happens after that, Doug. Yeah, they well, you could tell Shaka was just thrilled beyond words uh, Tuesday night. I'm glad you said that because I I, I want to play this clip. Brian Brian Davis asked him, uh, you know, right at the end of the presser, and uh, uh, you know, just to kind of summarize what, how he was feeling at the time. Take a after listen. sweeping Kansas, yeah, yeah. Shaka, I can't let you get away without asking, what does this mean personally to you to sweep Kansas? And this is the first time Texas has ever done this since joining the Big 12. <laughs> Thanks for asking that, Brian. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, in this league, they obviously have been the class of the league for a long, long time. And, um, you know, this year, obviously, Baylor's the, the best team in the league uh, without question. But 
Kansas over time has just been phenomenal. I remember, Brian, the first year I was here, we went up there, Isaiah Taylor, Connor Lambert, that group, and we're up five points at the half. And we're walking from the court into the towards the locker room. And Jay Lucas grabs me and he says, Coach, you got to convince these guys that we can win. And I said, Jay, what are you talking about? We're up five. It's like 35-31 or, or 35, whatever it was. And he was exactly right. I went in the locker room and I kind of saw this look on her face of, you know, well, we're up. Does that mean we're going to win? Or And, man, it's like clockwork. They made a run mid-second half and, you know, they win the game. And how many times has that happened against these guys? Um, you know, so as a coach, you're like, we got to get over the hump with that. Um, so it, it, it means a lot to win both games, but, you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe we'll play them again in, in the conference tournament. Um, and, you know, more importantly, I think it's, it's to Cedric's point, a really big step for our team, the way we responded. Um, but, you know, certainly with the success that they've had in this league uh, over for a long, long time, you know, if there's anyone you could pick to win a couple games against in the first half, it'd probably be in the first in the regular season, it would be them. I hear Giddy Shaka there. <laughs> Absolutely. He's giddy. He is giddy. He's no giddy fact. there. And I'm like, oh, wow. Uh, easily just, I, I know for coaches coached in the Final Four, he hasn't tasted wine that sweet in quite some time. And um, on a night when they only made like five threes, Andrew cool. Jones cool. Uh, has, has really struggled with his shot. And people got mad at me on Twitter, but – he, at one point before he made a couple of shots, dating back to the West Virginia game, after the little scrum with Courtney Ramey, he was one out of 17. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and I'm yeah. not saying that that had anything to do with it, but after that scrum, he just hasn't been the scoring machine that we've become accustomed to. And he's turning the ball over. And I still think these guards are way too careless with the ball. They, they are. think they can go through double teams. And and uh, Matt Coleman and Courtney Ramey are great young players, but they are they, they sometimes they over they overreach on how quick they are, and they think they can get by these guys. And Kansas was ripping them both. So moving forward, they got to be a little bit more careful with the ball. Yeah, their their on ball defense wasn't good in that first half against Kansas. I mean, you know, Christian Brown and Garrett and Wilson were getting to the basket and. Obachi uh, was hitting those threes. Uh, he was sitting in that corner all alone, and I know Greg Brown was supposed to be on him, and he was slow getting out there, and that's another reason I think they got Cunningham more playing time. But you, you mentioned on Andrew Jones. Is there any worry there that something's going on with Andrew? Because is it just a cold spell, you think? It's just a cold spell. I think, you know, he's fine. His health is fine, I'm sure. And yeah. he, does, he doesn't look fatigued, uh, but – He's just not making shots. And he short-armed a couple of threes. He missed a wide-open dagger three near the end of regulation that would have put them up by five in the last minute. And that would have been a wrap, in my yeah. opinion. And uh, they're still looking for him. Uh, credit to Courtney and, and, and Matt. They still have confidence in him, and they're still getting him looks. I think those looks will eventually start to fall again. But, uh, yeah, 
And yeah, he just he just seems a little bit rushed and a little bit unsure of himself. This is more this is a mental thing with Andrew, not physical. Remember he had a chance to close out the West Virginia game. Remember he had that open shot on the perimeter. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. would put him up and and I, I and I tweeted it. Uh he got to the free throw line a couple of times, and I said, "You know what? Andrew Jones got to the line, knocked down two free throws. Sometimes, and I was I was texting with our our buddy Mark Rosner, and I told him, I said, um, I said, you uh, for a scorer, uh, getting to the line and knocking down a couple of shots is sometimes an ignition switch. That's all you need is to see that ball go through the hoop. And then he did, to his credit, come down and hit a three right after that." And I think it was his only three of the game, but um, I think he's going to have to get going. If they're going to have any chance against Texas Tech, you can't put it all on Jericho, Matt, Matt and Courtney. Uh, boy, but I will say Courtney Ramey the last couple of games has been electric. He's been Ooh. great. He's been it's, great. This is the time when you want them to be at their best. Uh, I want to touch on two things that you said. Uh, Andrew Jones is still getting to the free throw line. They, they had 24 – points at the charity line, 24 out of 31. And that's a big reason they won that game. Listen to the free throws. Andrew Jones, six for six. Matt Coleman, five of eight. Courtney Ramey, eight of eight. Uh, Greg Brown, three of four. That was so huge that, you know, it wouldn't – it allowed them to get back in that game in the second half. And, and this is the same team that went three of 14 from the line in the loss earlier this year. Was that the Oklahoma State loss or – I think so because well, nothing happened well in the Oklahoma State. You remember they didn't score in two overtimes. They were yeah. twelve from the field in that game. And then you mentioned Texas Tech. They're scuffling a little bit. I think they've lost. You see, a three in a row or three out of the last four. And I don't love this Texas Tech team. But I don't Mac, either. I don't Mac either. Lung's very good. Shannon, a pro prospect, turned Shannon, but. I don't know. It's, it's not a typical Chris Beard. Like we were saying, it's not a vintage Kansas team. It's not a vintage Chris Beard team either. David Moretti left and took some experience with him back to Italy. And uh, Huge. Um, but you know what? It's a must win for Chris Beard. Chris Beard, Chris Beard needs this one. And yeah, it's going to – I can't I can't wait to see it. Uh, I just think it's going to be a um, – it's going to be a barn burner. These two teams are made for one another. They play really good games. They have, they've had some good finishes in the past. I know Matt Coleman's got some demons that he'd like to exercise out in Lubbock. And uh, there's, there's, there's a lot of good storylines coming out of this game. If Shaka Smart can, can beat Texas tech and, and that's back, that would be back to back wins against ranked teams. Yeah. Uh, then, then the the ship is officially back on course. Uh, this this kind of just calmed the waters a little bit. Yeah. Now let's see if we let's see if we are witnessing uh, a Texas program on the ascent. Uh, if they get this big time win in Lubbock, and let's just say it, they finished the, they finished two thousand twenty one five and four at home. Duck. This was not a home home court advantage for them. No, it just no. wasn't. So no, there are no fans until Tuesday night, you know, exactly. Exactly. So no, you're right. It, it did calm the waters and I think it restores their confidence, which is very big component. I think, especially when they're about to go on the road for, for, for this extended time on second thought. 
Duck, always a pleasure to have Texas women's basketball coach Vic Schaefer on with us. At the time of this recording, the, the, Long, the Longhorns are preparing for a game at Kansas, and then they finish up the regular season with Oklahoma, Baylor, TCU. Not exactly an easy path to the conference tournament. How are you today, coach? And I'm great. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Man, this has been a season like another, as you've said many times. Is is this wear you down a little bit as a coach, Vic? Well, I, I think what wears you down is just, you know, I'm constant I'm a warrior and uh, I constantly worry about my my team, my kids, my staff, um, more than anything, uh, because you know, ultimately I feel like I'm responsible for all of it and uh you know, uh, I'm just so proud of everybody. You know, we've been really fortunate that we've not really been hit with the COVID issue during the season. Um, other than one, we had one student athlete come back from Christmas. Other than that, we've managed to dodge it pretty well. And my staff has too. Um, so, you know, but, you know, last week, as we, as you know, it was just a, it's just something we don't experience in Texas. And, uh, Really, that was a whole nother thing to worry about for four days, traveling with kids and staff and just making sure they got food and water. I mean, the things we take for granted, guys, is last week comes in full circle, you know. And, you know, I think we're still boiling water at my house. <laughs> it's been an education, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Instant when you're breaking down tape in your car at a – parking lot in a pizza joint so it's uh, <laughs> it's not you in know, the kitchen manual hack <laughs> that night i was tired of of eating whatever i'd eaten all week and and holly had told me she said hey uh we got peanut butter and chips friday night we had just gotten power back on at the house that day but we had no groceries we lost everything in our refrigerator and freezer and uh, of course no water she says we got peanut butter and jelly and we got chips she said for dinner, I said, honey, I can't do it. And Blair, told, Blair had told me that Canes was open and there were some other things down on MLK that were open on Martin Luther King. So I said, you know, I'm going to drive through that district, you know, that area and I'm going to see what's open. And so, and I pulled down to the light and I looked over there at Papa John's and it was SRO over there, man, it was standing room only. They were tied there and, and then I looked across the street at, at Domino's and it was worse. And, uh, and Cane's was closed. I really had my, my mind set up. I was ready to eat some chicken. I love fried chicken. I love raising Cane's. I love it. Oh. So, uh, anyway, I was disheartened when I drove through the parking lot of Cane's. And so oh, I, I parked at the Seven Eleven and got out and walked into, into, uh, into the, uh, Papa John's and, Waited about 15 minutes to order. And when I got there, the guy said, Hey, all I got is thin crust. Is that okay? I said, Man, I don't care. I'm fine with that. I eat the cardboard. <laughs> he said, Be ready in 30 minutes. I said, I'll be in the car watching film. When I walked in there, there was nobody left in there. And I was on pick up the pizza and he was out of product. Wow. And, wow. and as I walked out, there was a U Haul backing up to the front door and it was from Colleen with dough and product for him to open back up. 
Yeah, like we were back in the dark ages. <laughs> it's, it's been truly amazing. So, well, you're sitting here, like said said, you get, you're down to the last three or four games. Uh, you're sitting here 15 and six, uh, nine and five going into the Kansas game. I, I was going to ask you, are you are you where you thought you might be? But I, I know you better than that. You're such a perfectionist. You want to win them all. So how realistically would you say where you're at in the season of where you thought you'd be? Well, you know, again, coming in and, and um, not having seen much film, uh, you know, and not having any, you know, we had basically one starter, one and a half starters back, uh, Charlie and, and Celeste. Right. I mean, our, our next player that played any significant minutes was Joanne. Um, you know, Audrey didn't play, but in 16 games. And so real, realistically, and then knowing that your recruiting class is five freshmen um, and that's the, that's the depth of your team is, is those, you know, kids not real, you know, really not thinking that Lauren would, would be eligible. She was going to have to sit. So, you know, obviously I, you're right. I want to win them all. And, and we coach them every day to win them all. But to be where we are right now, knowing, you know, we certainly have some limitations and um, we, we certainly have depth issues. And, uh, you know, we're not shooting the ball well, y'all. We, we don't have a guard shooting 40% on our roster. It's hard to win. <laughs> you know, even Charlie and Lauren are now below 50%. And, and our goal is, you know, we want our – our post players shooting 60% or better. And we want our guards shooting 45 and, and um, you know, I think both of them have dropped just below 50. And so, you know, I, again, I give our kids a lot of credit because, you know, for us, we're not going to win the 90 to 88 game. We got to keep the score, you know, manageable because, you know, we're just offensively, we, we can be, we can really struggle sometimes. And so, um, you know, hey, I've won a lot of games with teams like this, but you got to really be a tough, physical, aggressive basketball team, and you got to want to defend every possession because you you know in your heart of hearts we've got to defend to have a chance to win. Yeah, you mentioned Celeste. Um, she she had some big offensive games last season as uh, her first year, but uh, she just seemed to have, she seemed to have struggled from the perimeter and. Uh, so I've seen her in about three games. It just seems like she's rushing things. She gets the ball and just puts her head down and, and drives to the hole. Um, where is she in the area, in your opinion, of letting the game come to her? Because I know, just like you, she's a perfectionist. And uh, I think sometimes she's probably guilty of trying too hard. Yes, yeah, so you're, you're right. I, I, that's a kid that's highly motivated, and uh, I think she's close. Uh, I've seen her now in, in practice and last shoot around we had for K state, she, she missed many. And um, so I think she's getting close. You know, she had the injury earlier in the year that really set her back and wasn't able to, to, to do much for a while. And so I think she's, she's getting back, you know, and I think she's getting close, but we talk about a kid that wants to win and an unbelievable competitor and plays really hard. I mean, she's my kind of player. She's going to be great for us in the future. There's no doubt in my mind. She's going to, the more comfortable she gets and understands, you know, exactly what we want and how we want it. Um, I love coaching a kid and, and she's a great kid. And uh, again, my kind of, my kind of player. 
Did you get her to sink some free throws? That would help too, wouldn't it? Yeah, you know, and that's the strange things. I mean, she's she's got a good looking shot, uh, um, it, and it comes off good. But you know, she is struggling from the free throw line, and that's crazy to think that. Yeah. What uh, as far as your bench, you've kind of shortened your rotation, have you not? And uh, you know, you got some scrappers, and I don't know how you deal with COVID fatigue, stamina, stuff like that, but. Is this about the time when you know who you want out on the floor for the majority of the minutes? So does that bench get shortened? I think it, it has. It has for a couple of reasons. One, we've had, you know, we've got Deanna and Alyssa over there who aren't available. Right. Um, Deanna, you know, played earlier in the year, had season-ending surgery on her shin. Um, Alyssa has never been, uh, you know, she, she had the injury before she really started practicing. Shay's been hobbled with some ankle issues, and, and so she's really limited, and um, she's trying, and she's trying to battle through it, but she actually has a, a little bit of a torn, um, you know, a ligament in her ankle, so she's trying to get through that, and uh, and so, you know, we, we, you're right, you know, it, that, that bench is, is shortened up a little bit, but our kids are, t- you know, they're, they're in great shape. Then they would tell you that they're in the best shape of their life. And, and that's what you get when you play for us, we're going to make sure you're in, you're in, you're at a top level of conditioning and fitness and uh, because of the way we like to play. And I think our kids have really embraced our style. You know, when you start talking to them, okay, you want to, you know, we've got this issue with our depth a little bit, you know, do you want to back off and maybe not press? And they're like, no coach, that's who we are. That's how we're going to win. Let's go get them. And, you know, when you got kids that will do that, you're winning the battle. So uh, I'm, I'm excited about, about that. And again, that's, that's part of the growth of our program. Charlie Carr is one of the best players in the country. No question. Um, just, just a rebounding machine and, Rebounders get paid on the next level, and that's why she's getting getting props as potentially the number one overall pick if she decides to come out for the WNBA draft. Um, we do know Baylor's the measuring stick, and she had her struggles 0 for 3 with two points before fouling out. Um, what, what went wrong up in Waco with her and overall, and um, how, how much do you have to do to get that gap lesson because uh frankly that's why you're here Vic to yep. to, to get closer to Baylor and then to get after Mulkey and those lady bears. Yeah. Well and, and Cedric Bob we're not we're here to beat them. I mean it ain't about getting close. You know we're there's it's real clear to me and uh and we understand that and we, we embrace that but you know there's a lot of other teams in this league that that you got to deal with too to 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 beat and uh mm-hmm. and you know We've, like I said, with this group, with our limitations, I think we've made some strides and I'm, I'm proud of, of how these kids have developed. I think that's one thing my staff and I are, are really proud of. And one thing that we're known for is we develop kids. And, um, you know, Charlie, what happened in Waco, probably two, two things. I mean, one, they, they obviously, you know, they made it a point to really try to take her away. And then two, because of the rebounding issue that you have with them, and we still got out rebounded 20, but I played the big lineup quite a bit. And um, when I did that, that, that puts her in a different position on the floor. And um, it's not something that we've played enough of. So in her defense, it it was just a, a, you know, it was a little bit different. Now, you know, I think she, 
she'll tell you she she learned some things and can see some things on film that she can probably do better. But in her defense, you know, that big lineup, it, it took her away from the rim a little bit um, because Lauren was down there. And Lauren battled her rear off all night long rebound. She was really our only rebounder. I like her. Soft it hands. Went, yeah. Went on four every time for the most part all night long. And so, um, you know, uh, so I, I think you got to give Baylor credit for, for really doing the uh, play, paying a lot of attention to Charlie. And then our lineup, you know, because we were trying to rebound with them and defend them. And I, from that standpoint, I think the big lineup really worked that we held them to, you know, 60 points. I think that's their lowest point total of the year. And, um, you know, held them to eight points in the third quarter. I mean, I think we were effective defensively, but then it, it did some other things to us. Now we missed a ton of shots, Cedric. I mean, our, we got, we got paint shots all night long. We just couldn't score. Um, and, and, you know, each team provides a different challenge and you have to attack them a different way. Every night's not the same. You know, you play that big lineup against the zone. Those two kids are in different spots and they're a lot more comfortable where they are versus you play that big lineup against a man and you got a real athletic, um, you know, quick team out there defending you and a big physical team defending you inside. That's a completely different deal. And so, again, we're, we're young. I mean, Charlie's played one year, really. She didn't play a lot her freshman year. Played last year. This is now her second year. So, you know, uh, all of our kids are still young, inexperienced. We, we have some maturity, uh, lack of maturity issues. Uh, that's not uncommon. And, and so, uh, but, you know, I, Charlie's going to be fine. She rebounded great against K-State, 21 and 14, and, and uh, man, she's had it. She's really having an incredible year. I mean, she's a she's an incredible time and a great kid. And and just got I me. Mean, I'm telling you, her motor is off the chart. I mean, it's just that kid is highly motivated, um, works extremely hard, listens. Uh, you know, she's become a great help defender. Um, her defense has gotten so much better. Um, and, and that's why our team, quite frankly, defensively, we've gotten better here in the last two weeks, um, because her help is so much better. Now our, the rest of our team has improved also in that regard, but she's usually your last line of defense. And if that kid won't rotate and block shots, alter shots, or take a charge, it, it, it can be a lot of heartache for those guards giving up dribble penetration. And, uh, especially the way we like to play with pressure. So. Charlie's done a great job. You've seen her. She gets in the press, and she's gotten a steal or two down there in the press, which is fun to watch. Six-five, athletic, long, quick kid down there pressing and, and, and enjoying it, you know, really embracing it. So, I think give her credit for embracing the defensive part. And now she's the national finalist for Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, I couldn't be more proud of her. And what are some of the issues that you all will discuss about – her future and whether she turns pro or comes back for another year, what are those issues? Well, I think it's, you know, uh, she, she, she's got, you know, her and her mom and, and, uh, you know, I'm here if, if they, if they want, you know, my input, but, um, you know, I think they're, they're, uh, they've got their, their ideas on, on what, what's in front of them. And, you know, to be projected where she's projected, you know, it's, it's uh, and it's that's an incredible you know opportunity and uh, and so you know there's to me there's it, it 
you, you say that and you go, well, that's easy. To, it's an easy decision. But then if you, there's also some other factors that, you know, people may or may not know um, whether it's about the league or, you know, anything. I mean, you know, my, I've had two kids, Tierra McCown and Victoria Vivians, both could come out early and never even thought about it. Uh, they just enjoyed college. You know, they, they enjoyed college life. They enjoyed college. They enjoyed the college game. This is what hurts my heart for my kids is that our kids can't enjoy our style of play and playing in front of eight, nine, and 10,000 people. You know, when we're going on that run against K-State and we're turning them over, laying it in, turn it over, laying it in, turn it over, that's when eight, nine, 10,000 sounds like 50,000 you know, in an arena, I mean, it gets loud and it crescendos and that's the environment that's fun to play in. You don't get that environment at the next level. Right. You know, I remember going and watching Victoria play and her coming down the tunnel after the game going, man, coach, I miss college. She goes, <laughs> she goes two things. One, you know, it's a business. The game is, you know, there, you know, our fans, we don't have the involvement with our fans that we had, you know, when I was in college, she said, two, when I get beat off the bounce, there ain't Blair standing there getting a charge or, you know, or Tory blocking it in the fifth row. She goes, when I get beat off the bounce, it's a layup. And uh, she said, you know, I miss having my teammate. So, you know, I, again, I, it's, it's, you know, it's obviously it's her decision and, and we're going to support her, love her and, and be excited for her, whatever she wants and whatever she does. And, you know, it's been a real fun for me to coach her. I love the kid. She is a good, good, great kid, and I've enjoyed coaching her and teaching her. And, and again, it's always fun as a coach when you have somebody like Charlie whose motor is just off the chart. I mean, she, you know, anybody that gets to coach her, you're, you're, you're coaching a kid that, that wants it. And, yeah. and, man, in coaching, that's what you want. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure you might mention once or twice to her and her her family, like, you know, we've got three McDonald's All-Americans coming in uh, next year. Uh, you think well, you're now, wait till next year when you get those two guards uh, here on you, campus. You know, that's that's the thing, you know, and again, I, that's that's probably, you know, I, I, I don't, I, I don't, it's hard to come across <laughs> with that, but I mean, it's so true. I mean, I think it's, we're going to It's be fine, Vic, do it, do it, Vic, do it, <laughs> yeah. do it, Vic. We're yeah, going to be <laughs> a chance to be really special next year. And yeah. obviously if, if, if she was here, man, we could, we could really be, I think we could be a, a really special team. And I, I think we're going to be special, you know, we'll be really good next year. But if, you know, she was part of that group, man, and you talk about a group that could be fun to watch and, and, and be hard to deal with now, it, it, it could be fun. So, you know, again, I'm going to support her and love her and, and um, uh, whatever her decision is. And, and uh, you know, uh, I know it's a big decision for her and she's worked really hard y'all to, to put herself in this position. So uh, I'm excited for her, whatever she decides. And again, I'm going to support her and, and love her for that. Well, uh, is there anything you want to say about these uh, McDonald's all Americans getting three in one class? I mean, and it's, you know, it's, what a, what a, what a, a tremendous job my staff did. Um, these are some great kids, boy. You, you talk about some, some wonderful kids from some great families. 
and, and talented and, um, you know, to get three in one class is, is really hard to do. I think somebody told me us, Connecticut, South Carolina, maybe had three, you know, in that, in, in their, in that class. And, uh, just really, uh, but you know, y'all, this is what, this is what, to me, this is what Texas commands. This is what is warranted. It's what's, you know, I expect, you know, we expect as a staff to do every year. Um, certainly every year won't be like this, but you know, when you have an opportunity, two of them are from Texas, one's from Oklahoma, um, you know, you gotta go, you gotta go get that done. And uh, I am so excited about all three of those kids. Uh, again, boy, they're they're gonna they're gonna impact our program in a hurry. I need them to, you know, we need them to be able to come in and impact us in a hurry. Then you throw in the the two junior college kids that are both depending on what service you look at, number one in the country. Nice, you know, he's Kobe's six foot can play two, three, four, um, stretch you, go off the bounce, has a mid range game. Uh, Femme is six five. I just read something on her last night. She's averaging um, double digit rebounds, and she plays on a team where she didn't play thirty minutes a night. You know, she plays like 15, 16 minutes a game, and she's getting double digit rebounds and shooting. I don't think she's missed a free throw all year. Wow! And for a big kid, that's pretty good. Wow! Um, you know, excited about just about that class and uh, again, helping these kids that are here because we've got some good players here. They just need, you know, we need to, we need to add depth to our roster. And uh, I think we've done that again. We'll be young again, yeah. but we'll be talented. Well, listen, uh, we loved having you on. Uh, hopefully we'll do it again sometime uh, next month as uh, it gets even more serious, but uh, good luck in the game uh, with Kansas tonight. And uh uh, appreciate it and hope you don't have to stand in line at Papa John's or Domino's. <laughs> you, you can go to the front of the line. Okay? More product, Vic, more product. <laughs> uh, I, I, when I came out, you know, I had that pizza in my hand. That guy was unloading. I asked him, I said, what's in the U-Haul truck? I mean, it kind of <laughs> looked, you know, and uh, he said, uh, we're from Colleen. We're bringing more dough and, and more product to this guy because he's out. And I'm, uh, <laughs> You know, I said, well, you need some help. And he goes, no, we got <laughs> Oh, man, just so just so glad to be back in real Texas weather. That's all I got to say, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, well, good luck, Vic. Uh, thanks for sharing some uh, moments with us. And uh, good luck down the rest of the season, okay? Appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me this morning. Praise the Lord and hook them horns. All Take right. care, Vic. On Second Thought. Well, Doc, um, let's talk. Let's talk a little bit. I mean, we're going to we're going to hit Tiger Woods here before we get out of here. But let, uh, people want to know what went on at our households. I mean, I got some emails and I got some some text messages from friends who listen to the podcast that to check on us. And I'd like to thank everyone for checking checking on me and making sure that 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 my family's fine. Uh, Doc, I know I know I lost power. I'll start. I'll let everybody know. I lost power late Saturday night. I mean, late Sunday night, about 11 o'clock. And I was like, oh, it's cold outside. That was the first thing I thought. <laughs> it's cold outside. And I just lost power. And I, I've been in this house. We've been in here for 12, about 12 years. 
Never burn the fireplace. You chastised me last week. You said you need to enjoy <laughs> your house. Get up, yeah. build a fire. And so I had some logs from HEB, 10 year, 10 year old logs that still work. They're still wood and they worked. And Sunday night I, 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 I slept in front of the fireplace on the couch and I traded a couple of logs for matches from next door. I didn't have any, any matches in my house. I don't smoke or anything. And so, and then Monday it got even colder. It was yeah. even worse on Monday. And um, yeah, so my, uh, my um, electricity, my power came back uh, late 3 a.m. Wednesday morning. So, so almost 48 hours without, without power, but uh, shout out to my neighbors, Mike and Sandra Alvarez. So after I traded those logs, Sandra sent me over some barbecue ribs, uh, pork steak, ranch style beans, Oh, uh, grilled, grilled baked potato. Oh man. Uh, and a big, big old bottle of uh, iced tea and two pieces of cheesecake. Boy, you do owe them. I told, yeah, I was like, man, I might die tonight, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to die with a full stomach and a smile on my face. (laughs) But um, I wake, I woke up a long story short. I wake up at three 30 AM Wednesday morning and I go and I'm, and I'm sleeping, literally sleeping under five blankets, duck. It is so damn cold. And Mm -hmm. I, I wake up and I go, man, it feels good in here. Cause I, I slept upstairs because the fireplace just wasn't giving me enough heat. And I, and I piled on those blankets and I was insulated. And I was like, boy, these blankets are doing the job. And then I stuck my arm out from under those blankets and I go, it feels good in here. Oh. And I reached out, eyes still closed, Duck. I reached out and I clicked that lamp, clicked that lamp on and, and the Lord said, let there be light. Thank you, Benjamin Franklin. I was so excited. It was 3.30 a.m. Immediately, first thing you do, Duck, you turn on the television. Because yeah. I had no television right. for three days. Turn, uh-huh. on the te- two day- turn on the television, and the Australian Open is all on. Rafael Nadal's in that five-set match that he lost. I watched all of that match from 3.30 to 6. Smile on my face. I was <laughs> never – and I wouldn't crank the heat up, too, because I was just so happy to have electricity. So what happened with you? Oh, we always had power uh, the whole week. Uh, we didn't have much heat. We're on propane gas here. And uh, the heat for our subdivision, uh, the propane gas tanks went empty. So I would say we didn't have uh, heat for, oh, gosh, mostly I would say like four days. And when we were sleeping, it was in the 40s. And uh, I'm not a cold guy. So we live in Texas for a reason. And then uh, we didn't have running water all week. And then we discovered we had a pipe burst. Oh my. It was in the back of the house. It was in the wall. And uh, we did not get water in the house, but uh, we lost a lot of water in the back uh, near the foundation. And I mean, that happened Wednesday, uh, maybe Tuesday night. It was Wednesday afternoon before we even discovered it. So. It's, it was hard getting a plumber, and I'm sure I'm talking to a lot of people that are nodding and yet tell me about it because uh, even though that happened Tuesday night or Wednesday morning, uh, I wasn't able to get a plumber till Sunday night. 
So uh, we didn't have running water pretty much from Monday until about 7.30 Sunday night. So uh, no showers, no drinking water, no toilets. Uh, made several trips to HEB. So, I bet. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, mostly it's just the no heat and uh, drove my wife crazy not being able to shower. But uh, uh, Ryan Altudo brought us some water and our neighbors brought us some water. They had four-wheel drive and could get out. We couldn't get out of our driveway or – on the icy streets. So uh, thanks to uh, Nima and Sophia and uh, Ron Altulo for bringing us some water, but uh, it just shows you how blessed you and I are to, to live in Austin and have neighbors that are caring. And, and you wrote a great uh, column about uh, some of the former Longhorn athletes and current Longhorn athletes who have this humanitarian philanthropic side to them. And anybody from, uh, you know, Quandre Diggs, Michael Huff, Charlie Collier, you know, who, who gave back to the community. And uh, I just, you know, I donated the ATX Foundation uh, for the Austin Adult Urban League, too. And uh, I just because I couldn't get out to, to do stuff like that. But I just mm-hmm. admire people like that. And, and uh, well, you wrote a really nice story pointing it out. And uh, it was nice to see athletes like that giving back to the community. Yeah, and, and and you think about how how blessed we are to have a platform to inform people, to give our perspectives, and also to help the community. And when I saw the what what people like Michael Huff and Malik Jefferson, Charlie Collier, um, Tevin Jackson, Nicole Denby, I mean the list goes. Colt McCoy. The list goes on and on. Uh, I just read that Terrell Brown is is feeding people in Mesquite. And so Texas X's are just doing great work. I got a chance to talk to Michael Huff about about, uh, his venture. Michael Huff is not a talker. Michael no. Huff doesn't like doing interviews, no, he doesn't but, like Michael, but Michael Huff's actions kind of spurred people. Malik Jefferson goes, well, I got involved because Michael Huff got involved. Quandre Diggs. Well, I reached out to Michael Huff. So the younger kids see the OG Michael Huff doing work in the community and they wanted to get involved. And that's so, yeah, so that's, and so I asked Michael Huff, about this, and this is what Mike had to say. And Mike, I talked to a couple of uh, fellow Texas exes um, that uh, following your example, they saw that you were helping, and that's the reason Malik Jefferson, Quandre Diggs, both said, well, we, we, we want to do what Huff's doing as a senior Texas ex compared to those younger guys. How does that make you feel to know that you're leading by example and, and inspiring others to help as well? Uh, really, I'm just trying to pass it on to everybody behind me. Like, really, anybody above me. Too. So, I mean, I watch, like, Corey Redding and those guys that do so many great things for the community. And, and I said, I kind of learned from them, like, Quentin Jammer, Nathan Basher, all those guys. So, I kind of learned from them. So, like, okay, I took what I've learned from them, and I try to pass it down to, you know, everybody after me. And even now, being on staff, I try to, you know, kind of talk to the young guys. Hopefully, the guys on staff or on the team now can see that. And, you know, whether they go play 10 years in the NFL or whether they're just – moms, dads, you know, just family men, maybe they'll still be able to give back just any way they can. Cause it's really not a certain number, you know, give 2000 mils or 3000 mils. It can be by one mil for this one family. And that's still making an impact in somebody's lives. So really that's really the main thing trying to get it out that it's not 
one large event. You can buy one meal for somebody and that, you know, it does the same thing as buying 2000 meals. How many times did your phone ring over the last week from uh, fellow Texas exes? Oh, it's been a lot. And the crazy part is like, they all want to kind of jump in and help and donate. I tell them like, I don't really have a plan. It's not like I sit down on Mondays. Okay. On Tuesday, I'm donating 2000 meals to this place. It was kind of just random. Like I might be on Instagram. I might be on Twitter and, you know, somebody in my comments or DM said, you might want to call this place. They need help. Was like, okay, I'll reach out to that place. So it was really nothing planned or scheduled. It just kind of just, just happened. So I was want to help my hometown. So I would try to do stuff in Irving, but for the rest of it, it's just, I mean, I just kind of just, just do it. So duck, it's just, um, just a great, um, it's great when you have people that figure out that I can be a conduit to making someone's horrible experience a little less horrible, bringing a little light into some darkness. And uh, to me, it just makes the world a lot better place. It really does. And uh, and the times when we were colder than we've ever been in Austin, where you get the temperatures in single digits, it, it, it literally warms our hearts, you know, to, to see these people giving back and not a shout out to the Austin FC soccer team and, and Matt Beasler and Rad Stuver, the the goalkeeper, and they started a GoFundMe account and, and uh, raised. I don't know what it is now. It's probably approaching forty thousand dollars. And this is a soccer team and players that have been here a month. You know, don't know Austin, and they're already trying to embrace the community. And uh, it's just it's very heartwarming to see. And our we uh, before we go, our our colleague, former statesman colleague Kevin Robbins. Right. Huge, huge activist, helping students, raising money for students, uh, feeding them, getting water uh, for, for people who needed it on campus uh, through the Safe Horns organization, teaming up with Cole McCoy, uh, just just doing work. And uh, the, the one thing uh, we, we hated this storm, we never want to go through this storm again. But the but the feel good stories that came out of it duck were just yeah were really heartwarming and it made made me feel good to be part of such a great community. And you mentioned Charlie Collier. I mean, she's a, a current athlete, you know, some of these uh, exes that are either pro athletes or they have jobs. Here's a student doing it out of the goodness of a heart. 50 pizzas she delivered, you know, to fellow students and, and, and people that need the help. And it just, it, it just kind of restores your faith in humanity when a lot of times, you know, we, we talk about other instances like the riot at the Capitol and stuff like this. But this is a reminder of how good uh, Americans and specifically Austinites and, and UT athletes can be. Speaking of uh, speaking of America, an American icon, an international icon, Tiger Woods up against it again, a, a near tragic uh, automobile accident in California, uh, crushed crush injuries to his legs. Yeah. That doesn't sound good at all. Compound fracture, shattered ankle. Uh, this isn't even about golf. No. To me. Uh, no. Whether or not he plays golf again, to me, doesn't really matter. But the fact that a father of two nearly lost his life uh, – just doesn't have a very good history when it comes to automobiles. I mean, the traffic stops, the incident with his ex-wife, just, you know, all of this weeks after the documentary on HBO 
uh, came out. Uh, just it just seems like Tiger just uh, as blessed as he's been, and he's lived a great life, money wise and uh, traveling, and he's an icon. Doesn't seem to be able to catch too many good breaks in his personal life. No, and a lot of people would say, well, it's of his own making, uh, and a lot of it was. And uh, absolutely, a lot of people. We all know that. We're not excusing any bad behavior, but, uh, yeah, these crashes are, it was so unfortunate and we're so lucky. It wasn't a bigger tragedy than it was. Now he's going to have major issues with his legs and ankle, as you pointed out, but it's just, it's, I'm just glad that we still have him around. And you and I talked before we taped this podcast, you know, if we'd have lost Tiger in the same city where we lost Kobe just a year ago to lose two icons in sports like that would have just been so egregious and so painful for so many people. Cause you know, those are two people that have not just shaped the sport that they thrived in, but they had impact on people. And, you know, we could talk all day on what Kobe meant to young kids playing basketball and what Tiger. And to the current guys, they were, they were devastated. They were devastated. And then, and then like, you know, Tiger opened the world of golf to minorities and young people and non-golfing fans. And just, I don't know if, you know, short of maybe a Jackie Robinson, I'm not sure if one person had an impact on his sport quite like Tiger Woods because it transcended golf. It did. It was, it, it was a largely white sport, a largely elite sport Definitely. and Tiger, a middle-class kid um, battled, battled some racism uh, coming up um, on, on country club courses and, and uh, was toughened up by his father, a green beret. And so the, the story of Tiger Woods uh, exposing this sport to the masses. My father never watched golf when I was growing up in the seventies, but when Tiger took over the sport, my dad was glued to that screen. Yeah. My dad, an old black dude who, who's been through some things and who had been through some things in his life was just so happy to see a black kid uh, playing a sport that was mostly white doing things that were not allowed only three or four decades earlier. So, uh, you know, the Lee elders and the Calvin Peets were, were the rarity. And now you got, you, then you bring, you bring in Tiger Woods and, and it just opens it up. You see a guy like Tony Finau uh, on the verge of, of maybe breaking through uh, because of the Tiger influence. So uh, I'm glad he's still with us and, um, Thank God for airbags and thank God for his grace because uh, Tiger Woods could have left here, Doc. I mean, that the wreckage told us as much on that car. Yeah, and, and the elevation, I think it was like 700 feet elevation from uh, where the road were was when he left it to the, the where the car landed. And uh, he is lucky to be alive. And who knows if he'll play golf again. We, we hope for him uh, – a speedy and, 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 and strong recovery, but in, in so many respects, it's incidental. You know, he's, he shaped the game like few others. He and Jack Nicholas are always going to be the, the most famous two golfers in that sport. But, you know, it's just, you want him, he, he's seen the error of his ways and you and I don't, we're not close to him. I've probably covered, you know, 
I don't know, 30 of his tournaments that he's played in. He was here in Austin at the Dell tournament, you know, two years. Yeah, we interviewed him. We got to interview yeah. him for that. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, you just, you know, it's, it's sad that it happened and it's, uh, just a reminder how fragile life can be and how we need to treasure it. Uh, the blizzard taught us the same thing. And, you know, 80 people died because of this, this great winter storm that we, we all suffered through. So it's, it's just, just a reminder for us to treasure life and to, to hold dear the people that mean the most to us. Absolutely, brother. And it's been a pleasure getting back on the podcast, taking a little winter storm hiatus, but we're back and um, we'll be back next week. And this, this has been a, a wonderful, wonderful podcast. Big thanks to Vic Schaefer for joining us. Uh, we will, we will hit you again next week and that will do it for episode 210 of on second thought for the duck. I'm Cedric Golden. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com. Join Seth and Kirk every Thursday at lunch for a new episode. Archived episodes are available on iTunes and Google Android Play.